every day brings us closer. Closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny. And franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first pick. This is First Draft. Now alongside NFL Draft Insider Mel Kuyper Jr., here's Chris Brown. Well, let's see here, Mel. we got about 200 days until a football game is played, give or take. Now, First weekend since early August that we haven't had football. Josh, I don't know if you know about this about Mel Kuyper, but he is kind of like, uh, he's, he, it's not questionable. He's not doing anything illegal, but he's he's kind of like uh, the local bookie, but no money changes hands. Right. But he's taking <laughs> picks. And, you know, for the audience here today, it's just me right now, Chris Sproul with Mel Kuyper. For the audience, Mel, mm-hmm. could we, what was my Super Bowl pick? You had New England. Well, minus three. Yeah, minus the three. Yeah, New England, minus, everything's minus the points. We do everything by the points. Everything's by the spread. Chris Sproul, Ben Fox, Ben, who is the uh, chalk man, ESPN chalk, uh, and Chris Sproul, they, they had a little challenge this year, and they both had college and NFL picks, and I monitored every week their picks. And, you know, you had your picks every week. Three, what, it was three college and one pro. Ben did one college and three pro because he's an NFL expert. You're a college and NFL expert. So we went through the year, and you both did great jobs. You both did phenomenally well against the spread. Yeah, well, I do know that on ESPN.com my pick was New England 35, Atlanta 27. It was 34-28, so I was only off by that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, had know, 30, I had 31, 27. You know, the thing so is, I was I was uh, I was about to brag about that. Then I realized like every single person had some kind of a combination of like 35, 31 yeah. either way. Yeah. So it's not quite yeah. that cool. Mel, quickly, though, mm-hmm. were you surprised? I mean, the- how it, how it went down? What's your what was your final analysis? Was All it? Right. Oh, that was amazing. New England. Or what are you doing? Because the, the debate that it always falls on this. Mm-hmm. Did a team win a game or did a team lose a game? I'm well, I'm in the category of Atlanta lost that game. Well, I think you could make a point on that because it looked like what I thought, and I said this this week, and I'm going to say it tomorrow, 8 a.m. to noon, Darian Mel, you know, we're going to be wrapping this whole thing up. I think this, that New England throughout the third quarter looked like it was not their day. It was mm-hmm. not their night. It was not their game. I mean, you think about all the things that they overcame, the blunt fumble that cost them points, the Brady pick six, it could have been a 10 or 14 point swing, the unsuccessful onside kick, okay, the Edelman third down drop. Yep. All these things they overcame because Atlanta decided to throw the football when a field goal would have won the game. Yeah. If you'd have knelt down three times, New England would have had to use their timeout. You'd have been able to kick the field goal. Why you're throwing the ball in that situation? Why on third and one you were throwing it earlier? I, keep in mind also, New England had missed PAT by Goskowski. So when you think it wasn't their day, night, it was all those things, in addition to the missed PAT that contributed to them looking like they were not going to be in this game. Yeah. So I think Atlanta did – you couldn't make it up. Hey, New England had to make plays. Yep. But Atlanta, even the offside. And then think about this. 57 seconds left in the game. 
you're kicking off from the 40 because of the offside penalty on a two-point conversion. Why don't you instruct your kick returner, Eric Weems, if it's in the end zone, stay in the end zone. We need yeah. to save time. The ball come out to the 25. You're not getting out to the 25 because they're at the 40. They're going to keep you pinned, which they did at the 11. You lost five seconds. You had no timeouts because you squandered them, and you had 57 seconds. You should have been at the 25-yard line with 57 seconds. And hopefully you've been smart enough to keep a timeout or two. Then you could have gotten a field goal, win the game in regulation. Nobody's worrying about overtime. You know, it was – the way I end up with is this. New England did everything they had to do to come back the way they did. But it takes two to tango. Atlanta did everything possible to let a 28-3 to lead go away. And then even a 28-20 lead. My, my final bit on it was this. It's 28-20. You have – Basically, second down and eleven. You know about the twenty. They had the chance to essentially kneel down twice, have New England run out of timeouts, have there be about three minutes left on the clock, and kick a field goal. Yeah. And you're up thirty-one twenty. The game is over at that point. It's a two scores for sure, an onside kick. It, it, it's over ninety-nine point nine percent of the time at that point, and they didn't do it. So there yeah, you situa- go. Situational football. The NFL. A lot of times it doesn't play. These no. coordinators don't understand situational football. Yep. They want to throw, throw, throw. And it's ironic that Kyle Shanahan, who I thought did a horrible job late in that game, okay, gets the head coaching job, which you knew yep. he was. It was a foregone conclusion. But you got to maybe learn from that and realize now as a head coach that there are some things you need to do to win games. It's not about stats. It's not about being always aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. That got you a loss. Be smart. You don't have to always be aggressive, but be smart and realize we kick a field goal there. The game is essential. Over. Yep. Well, there's your Super Bowl. The picks were right. Uh, hey, and, and to credit New England, I mean, they did it again with uh, obviously, you know, the one thing we always talk about that you know they've had they've had the coach and they've had the quarterback, but they've drafted. You know, they they have their occasional curious pick that we like to you know we like to goof on, but they're also they've done a great job of, of draft and player development. I mean, you can't fake it for that long. And they de- they deserve a lot of credit, and they're going to be they're going to be picking in a familiar spot again. So they have a they have a chance to keep adding to it this year. And Mel, they have their quarterback. A lot of teams in this draft don't. I wanted to play just really quickly a little bit of a of a quarterback musical chairs. Mm-hmm. And at the top of this draft, you have Cleveland, who has the chance to either take a quarterback or probably the best player, a player like Miles Garrett. Now, I just want you to give me what would be your strategy for a few different teams. Start with Cleveland. Would you rather have a Tyrod Taylor or a Mitch Trubisky? I'm assuming a Tony Romo is not going to go there. But I'll throw a name out like a Tyrod Taylor. I'll throw a name out like a Mike Glennon. I'll even throw out Jimmy Garoppolo, who could probably be had for that 12th pick and something else. What would you do? What would you rather have? Would you rather try to roll the dice with one of these rookies knowing that your team's not close? Or would you rather have one of these these veterans that seems more ready to come in? I'll tell you what. That's the, the thing that Hugh Jackson has already done. Think about the decision last year, okay, yep. to not take Carson Wentz, who fell right to them after golf went one. But, no, we're going to pass on him. We're going to let the Eagles get him. We're going to draft Cody Kessler, bring in RG3. So they already made one bad decision. We can all, all agree that was a horrible decision. Okay, you can't know, pass man. on Wentz at that point. You, you got to take the guy, uh, it, you know, and then you wouldn't even be talking about this. So now we're yep. talking about it again. So now, do you go after Garoppolo? Who would be the one to go after? Okay, or do you draft Mitch Trubisky? 
at that point, who's a local product from Cleveland, played high school football in, from Ohio, Mentor, Ohio. That's something Hugh Jackson's going to have to decide. I think where they are right now and everything they've done quarterback-wise over the years has been wrong. They have, have nailed it on the wrong end, okay? Uh, every decision they make, you can rest assured, bet against it. It ain't working. So but in this due. case, yeah, they're due, I guess. At some point, they're due. Uh, you can keep saying that. You know, they always say if you have an eight game losing streak, don't bet on the ninth one being a win because you're going to be betting on the 12th and 13th and 15th. You, know, you, you go, the trend's your friend, so you're supposed to think they're never going to get it right. But I think Garoppolo would be the intriguing one here because you know he's played in this league, he had a decent grade coming out of Eastern Illinois. Went in the second round. He's been behind Brady and learned, hopefully. And, and when he has played, he's played well. Uh, I would probably think about the Garoppolo angle. And then you could use that first pick on Miles Garrett. You have to go up to the 12th pick. If you maintain the 12th pick, you'd be looking at Dalvin Cook, running back Florida State, Malik Hooker, safety Ohio State, guys like that at that point in the draft. But I think Garoppolo, because uh, you got to close that gap at some point. You're going to wait. Or if you're Hugh Jackson, you're going to have to wait a couple of years for Trubisky. I think they expect him to be Dak Prescott. It's going to happen, or Carson Wentz isn't going to happen. He's coming in for one year as a starter. So I would probably say for Cleveland, Chris, Garoppolo may be the best way to I'll go. I'll tell you this, Mel. If, you, you know, Carson Wentz, I know people like him, but we don't know what he is. We still don't. We, we think he's going to be pretty good. But if that pick, you would feel a lot better as a Cleveland Browns fan if that 12 pick that could have been Carson Wentz turns into Jimmy Garoppolo because then I think then the math feels right hey Carson Wentz could be pretty good but hey Jimmy Garoppolo with Hugh Jackson maybe that's pretty good too at least you feel like if you get out of the first round Mel let's just say this if you get out of the first round and you have Miles Garrett and Jimmy Garoppolo Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to get an A A minus range from Mel Kuyper yeah, and that's will. all everybody's really going for, you know. Yeah, and I think Garoppolo, <laughs> yeah, Garoppolo has already been developed. Yes. So what you need to do with Trubisky has already been done up in New England. Who better to work behind and learn from and watch just how he goes about his business? You know, in the, on the field, in the locker room, practice, everything that Tom Brady does, the way he competes. Okay, that's great for Garoppolo to yeah. see. So we already had that been done. They've done all that work for us. Now we can bring him in rather than trying to do the exact same thing with Trubisky. You're already two, three years ahead of that. So I think just for them being needing to close that gap with Dalton and Flacco and Roethlisberger, and keep in mind, Roethlisberger's getting up there in age. Flacco's had the, already had the serious knee injury. Uh, you know, Dalton's Dalton. Is he a plateau quarterback like Alex Smith? Right now he is. So this was a case where Cleveland could maybe do some serious damage in the not-too-distant future if they come out of this draft with the quarterback who's already somewhat established. Yeah, and, and you know, don't, don't forget, too, that, you know, I know giving up that 12, and it'll probably be something conditional. So a 12 and maybe a 4, maybe a 3. But, hey, Cleveland, you did get that pick back. You do have a bunch of picks. And and not only that, you have that 33rd pick, which is still going to be a really good player, Mm -hmm. something we're going to talk about at some point, just how loaded this second round could be. All right, Mel, I want to go down this list one more time. We know who the coach is now Mm -hmm. in San Francisco. Right. Todd, has you've mocked Mitch Trubisky there. You have another mock coming soon. Todd recently mocked Deshaun Watson there. If you are Kyle Shanahan, would you rather have that quarterback or, again, go back to this list, a Tyrod Taylor? Uh, I don't think you would trade the second pick for Jimmy Garoppolo, but I'll let you speculate on that. Or a Mike Glennon? Or could this be the classic combination thing where Kyle Shanahan says, hey, I have zero quarterbacks, so I'd rather have maybe I'll go get Glennon. And I'll also draft a guy here. I mean, what's your thought at that point? 
Well, I and mean, Kyle's in a different position than than Hugh is, and, yep. and and some of the other, and, and certainly Todd Bowles, and definitely when you think about where John Fox is. So I think yeah. the Jets and the Bears are in different spots. They need to win. Uh, they can't be worrying about two, three years down the road going to be a new coach. What yeah. in, in San Francisco? It's Kyle. He's the guy with John Lynch. So it's a new organization. Why not? Now you got to figure. Okay. Do they like the quarterback? We don't know right now. Yeah. Uh, we don't know if he likes uh, Mitch Trubisky or Deshaun Watson. That's what we always assume because we're going to project them there. The new coordinator, the new head coach is going to love that guy enough to take him. Well, Cleveland didn't take uh, Carson Wentz last year when we all assumed they were. So we don't know how he's going to feel. I'm talking about Shanahan about Trubisky and Watson. Now, Todd went with Watson. I got a mock coming out this Wednesday. I'm going to probably go Trubisky. Now, mm-hmm. I haven't finalized all the calls yet and figured it all out yet, but Trubisky, for me, inside the pocket, if you come from Matt Ryan, who most resembles Matt Ryan to Kyle Shanahan? Mitch Trubisky or Deshaun Watson? Deshaun Watson is scary outside the pocket. Inside the pocket, there's some question marks. Yeah. So I think that's where Trubisky made the guy. And you say, oh, he only started one year. Watson's got more experience. Well, for Kyle Shanahan, is that going to matter? He knows. He doesn't have to worry about a guy playing like Dak Prescott this year. He can wait until 2018 and 19 for Trubisky. Now, who's going to be the bridge to get to Trubisky? Hey, one of those guys could be. But the bottom line with Shanahan is figure out who you love for the future the not-too-distant future, and take the guy at two. I think they are the team that you could say needs to take one of these two quarterbacks. And I think there's something else we need to remember with Shanahan is people are saying, oh, he's going to San Francisco. He's going to want to get a guy who's a little bit more established. So look for him to take a Glennon. Look for him to look for a guy like a Tyrod Taylor, who I'm still convinced is pretty intriguing. But there's something else about Shanahan. It's not like he just spent the last 10 years of his career working with Matt Ryan. He worked with Matt Ryan semi-successfully last year and then right. really successfully right. this year. But mm-hmm. before that, it was Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. It was Brian Hoyer. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we we talk about Shanahan and, and, and he's just a guy that can only work with finished products and really just execute. He's worked with some, you know, some there's been some rough edges. And that includes Johnny Manziel, probably to, mostly to his frustration, but... Right. He's done some things with a range of guys in a short a short amount of time that, you know, to Mel's point, we can't just assume that Shanahan's going to say, no, I, I need a veteran. we got to get this thing turned quickly. And, you know, remember this. They gave John Lynch six-year deal. They gave Kyle Shanahan a six-year deal. I know this is a fickle league, but you give a guy a six-year deal, you're basically admitting, uh, all right, guys, you, you're going to need a little time with this roster <laughs> And Kyle's got Kyle's got control of the fifty-three man as well, so he, he's going to have a say in these personnel decisions as as they relate to his quarterback position. It's not just going to be one of these cases, Mel, where all right, we drafted you two quarterbacks, work it out. Yeah, and also Romo. Where is Romo going to yep. end up? Where is Glennon, as you say, going to end up? What happens with Jay Cutler? Where does he land? Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's a starter. Who knows on that? But I think the second quarterback, if Trubisky or Watson, one of those two is not going to go second to the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Where does that quarterback drop to? Well, that, he, that, yeah, That's the big question. That leads right into the question. The Chicago Bears is this next team in this quarterback musical chairs game we're playing, Mal. We hit Cleveland. We hit San Fran. Chicago at number three. Now, in, in each, you and Todd have both seen them more likely to take a player like a Jonathan Allen, maybe even a Jamal Adams. Adams, the safety out of LSU. Allen, the great, versatile, defensive end type. I think you could move him around uh, out of Alabama. Mel, 
is this is this the spot for Romo or is this a spot for a rookie? I tend to think this is more of a Romo, Tyrod Taylor, that type of a situation. Maybe even a Mike Glennon who yeah. if anybody likes to have a little fun, go on Pro Football Reference and look at Mike Glennon's rookie year next to Carson Wentz's. It's almost identical. It's just a guy that you know, Mel, we've heard John Gruden pound the table and say, hey, this kid can play. Yeah. Um, but it could be a Glennon. I mean, but Mel, are you – I keep seeing no quarterback mocked here to the Bears. Do you think that's going to continue to be the case? Chris, there's a, the thing I would look at here at three if you're the Bears. First of all, these two young quarterbacks, these rookies, they're not Mariota and Winston in terms of consensus grade. No. Okay. These guys, Bill Polian said to me when we did uh, you know, Sports Center together a few or NFL Live or Insiders, one of those three together about a month ago, that he wouldn't take Mr. Trubisky in the first round with those limited number of starts with <laughs> thirteen. Okay. I don't have Deshaun Watson in my top 25. I don't think Todd does as well. I've talked to NFL people, some which don't either. So you're talking about a situation here where two quarterbacks, neither of whom anybody even agrees should be first-rounders, let alone number one, number two, number three picks overall. So this notion that should they take Watson or Trubisky, I don't know if Watson or Trubisky are going to go that high. If they are, it's a force, especially on Watson to me. I have Trubisky ahead of Watson. So if I'm the Bears, it's 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 an easy decision. We gotta find out and figure out which veteran quarterback we can get and go that route because there's no way John Fox can wait two, three years for a young quarterback. There's no way Todd Bowles can wait two or three years for a young quarterback. And they drafted Christian Hackenberg, the Jets did in the second round last year. You can argue, well, why did they? Well they did. So they they felt strong enough about Hackenberg to take him in the second round. And don't worry about what he did as a rookie. We didn't expect anything from Hackenberg as a rookie. So you already went that route. Are you going to take a quarterback early? No. So I think Watson maybe Buffalo at 10, depending upon Tyrod Taylor. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's where you look at that second quarterback falling to. And if Cleveland decides at 12 not to make any move, do they take a quarterback at 12? I don't think that's going to happen. I think these two quarterbacks go. In the top ten, they're forced up there. The 49ers are the obvious one to take one of the two. Where the second one goes is still anybody's guess, but if you had to have a landing spot, maybe it is the Buffalo Bills. Let's let's go to the next team in line here that I still consider a part of what should be a quarterback carousel. Sorry, I'm not on Team Blake Bortles. The sample size is added up. Um, maybe something works out here. The new coaching situation down there. Mel, I know that we're not thinking they're going to take a quarterback in the first round, that that would essentially be saying we're punting on any chance that Blake Bortles can be mm-hmm. a good, at least functional, mid-tier NFL quarterback. Call it the Andy Dalton Club. Can we? Do we think Bortles can ever get to that place? If you can get to that place, you can win. If you don't, you're you're where they are now. Should they be at all in the market for a quarterback? And And by that, I don't mean even probably Trubisky and Watson – and I don't even suspect Kaiser might be there in the second round. But is this the team that you think should be in the quarterback mix either for one of the veterans or as early as the second round do you start thinking about the Pat Mahomes, the Brad Kaias, or even the third round where a guy like Jared Evans, Nathan Peterman? Where are you if you're running the show in Jacksonville, Mel? I don't think you can say for sure right now that Bortles is the guy. We thought he could be. He obviously regressed. Now you have the new coach, new situation there. They are going to isolate a new brain trust in Jacksonville. Uh, they're going to isolate a young quarterback, I think, to draft. I think they're going to – not early, 
But I think you get into that third, fourth, fifth round area, they'll bring somebody in. They did last year, but I think again this year, maybe a little even earlier, like you say, second, third round. Uh, and then draft Jamal Adams, the safety from LSU with the fourth pick. They need that kind of deep presence. A uh, guy that can be in the box, can be in center field, can be all over the field making plays. Jamal had great bloodlines. I scouted his father, George, when he was a running back at Kentucky, first round pick of the New York Giants. So I think Jackson will get the, the guaranteed standout in the secondary. Hope that Dante Fowler, Jr., develops as a pass rusher. Hope that Yannick Ngakwe, who had a really good rookie year, continues to evolve. And then you get the, on the back end that kind of, of potential pro bowl, all pro caliber player in Jamal Adams. But do draft in one of those young quarterbacks you mentioned, whoever you like, maybe in that second to fourth round area. Wow, this is really exciting. Mel and I have run through the quarterback musical chairs. Now the man who had the mock draft out this week, who is uh, famous for that and many other things now, including a beard. Todd, do you care to comment on your beard before we get into your mock draft? It's First of all, good to talk to you guys. Yes. I, mean, I, I, li- I literally went to turn on my phone to call you guys, and it, it just will not turn on. <laughs> And I'm, I'm forewarning, I'm on an iPad right now. Wow. And I have 5% battery, so this may, this may turn from a, a disaster to a, an even bigger disaster. Uh, the beard, it, it, it's film, film month. February's film month. And you should have seen it the day before. It was unruly. So I, uh-huh. I le- at least cleaned it up. Um, but I, I actually, this is the first, I haven't gotten a lot of comments on it. I got to see it. Thought, should I go that route and try to just uh, see which of you or I? Handles the whole beard deal better? Should I just let yeah, it grow? Yeah, let's do it, man. Neither I mean, you, you got, I, I you got the hair thing over me. Yeah, I don't want to let you go just alone. Why not? Right, Sproul? Why don't I give it a shot? Now I'll start today, not shaving, I and let it go. I think you should All talk right. to Camby and Markman and say, we have, a, we have a bet. Neither one of us is going to shave until the draft. How long have you gone, Todd, without shaving? Well, see, I cleaned it up. I trimmed it up, which I never, ever do. I usually just All right, let it grow. Before you trimmed it up, shaving. how long had you gone? I had gone, let's see, last time I did TV, which was the Senior Bowl. Wow. Okay. Okay. But yeah, you it's pretty it wild. Is it but better or worse than Marty Smith's beard? Um, it was, Marty Smith's is better. I mean, Marty Smith's just got so much going on between the hair and the, and the yeah. beard. He's just got so much going on. Wow. No, I thought it was, it's, it's yeah, it's just a little, a little stubble right now. Okay. But by combine, I, I'll probably shave before the combine. But by combine, it, it will be an absolute mess. We have two two plus weeks between now and then. This thing grows. Well, we've established the fashion uh, sense of Todd for this year's draft. We will go through his. I might mock keep draft. it, Mel. Maybe we should. Yeah, we'll see I'm here. Gonna, I'm going right. to go till Wednesday. I come on with mock number two, Todd, and you're going to be on there destroying me, saying I was off base with this pick or that pick, and I'll be on Wednesday. Now, I did shave yesterday, okay? Now, I haven't shaved right, today so, yet, okay? So today, we'll here we Friday. are Friday. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. It'll be five full days into day nice. six. That's enough. That's plenty, yeah. That won't look yeah. good, but yeah, I'll yeah. give it a hey, – if they allow me to come on looking awful, hey, I look awful no matter what, but if they allow mm-hmm. me to come on looking awful, I'll be happy that to do it. That was a subtle dig there. We're going to take I, a quick break, and then we're going to break down Todd's mock now that we've gone through Todd's facial hair. But first, a word from Pro Flowers. Aren't you tired of guessing what she wants for Valentine's Day? I mean, I am. Wouldn't you love an easy, fail-proof way to look like a pro? This year, Pro Flowers is making it easier than ever by taking all of the guesswork out. 
On top of their already low prices, right now you can get a dozen assorted roses with a free glass vase for $19.99 plus shipping and handling. Or you can upgrade for $9.99 more. You can get two dozen assorted roses with free glass vase. Just go to proflowers.com and use our code FIRSTDRAFT. Help support our show by supporting our sponsors. Use our code FIRSTDRAFT. All you got to do is pick your flowers. You check out in like two minutes. You can get the delivery day you want. I'm hoping that's Valentine's Day, guys. And Pro Flowers bouquets are guaranteed to last seven days or you get your money back. You can't beat the price and convenience. Pro Flowers takes care of the details. You just go sit back, make your order, and you're looking good. Here's the only way to get a dozen roses, though, with a free glass vase starting at just $19.99. You go to proflowers.com and use our code. Remember this. First draft. Write it down. Get a cheap deal here. That's proflowers.com. Click on the microphone and type in the code first draft. Hey, don't wait. Valentine's Day is right around the corner. You better order today. All right, we're back. We've done some QB musical chairs at the top of the draft. We've addressed the international phenomenon that is Todd's subtle but noticeable facial hair. And now it's time to jump really quickly into Todd's mock. I we're going to have a lot of mocks over the next few months, so we're going we're gonna to be getting through teams and things like that. Today I just wanted to go through a couple picks that I know uh, probably took some people by surprise and get the sense of how Todd's feeling about him now after he's been hearing about it for 48 hours and you know what, how things could change. You know, We have a combine a couple weeks away and then pro days after that. Todd, obviously the first one you've heard a lot about is Deshaun Watson – at two to San Francisco, I imagine you will probably be between quarterbacks or anything else. What was the thought process there? And not even so much what you're hearing, because I know a lot of teams are still diving in just like we are. But what's what's going on there at two? Well, it really came down to Watson and, and Trubisky, Mitch Trubisky from UNC. And here's the deal. I don't have a first-round grade on any of these guys. I, I think that they're all going to be reaches – if they wind up going in the first round, especially a top 10 pick. But I also would be willing to bet that at least one of them will go in the top 10, and, and that there's a pretty good chance that, that both guys go in the top 10 with teams like Cleveland at one, San Fran at two, Chicago at three. Um, I don't think Jacksonville at four, but the, the Jets sitting at number six, and um, and the Buffalo Bills at 10. I mean, that, that's five about five teams in the top 10 that – could you know we'll be looking at quarterback as a possibility and we'll be trying to figure out if one of these guys can be their future at that position. So with that as the backdrop, Watson, Trubisky, I actually have a higher grade on Trubisky. I think that he eventually w- can be a better pro. The 13 games start you know, 13 starts in college concerns me. Uh, but I, I also think Deshaun Watson throughout this process, which is very important as we've talked about a lot, Mel, when you, just getting to know the quarterbacks, working with them, getting on the board, trying to figure out how they retain, how quickly they can pick things up, their level of football intelligence. I think during that process, bro, both guys should excel. 
But Watson, it wouldn't surprise me if a Kyle Shanahan is the new head coach, fell in love with Watson and thought, hey, I can turn this guy who was great in college, but in a system that doesn't really translate to everything we do here in the pros, I can develop him and get him to a place where we can win a lot of games with Watson. And the same could be said for Trubisky. So I just think quarterback is such a big need area for San Francisco. It won't surprise me if they're the team in the top 10 that pulls a trigger on Watson or Trubisky. Another controversial, can we call it that yet, in February, controversial pick, but one that maybe took some people by surprise. Obviously, a lot of people not as familiar with this player as you are. Corey Davis, a guy you've been really high on for a while. He's a a wide receiver out of Western Michigan. You had... No, like them before me. I'll just, I'll I'll get, I'll get that out of the way. Get that out of the way. Okay. Yeah. Uh, It wasn't a case of Todd hates him, but, and came around. Todd's liked him. Mel's just been uh, waving the flag. But Corey Davis, from a wide receiver from Western Michigan, size-speed combo, hands, immense production. Even after my boy Daniel Braverman left, uh, nobody could still stop Corey Davis. But at five, and he's not also he's also not going to be able to work out at the combine. Not a big injury, but he's dealing with a little bit of an ankle thing, so he won't be at the combine. Uh, but again, you've you've basically said you think you know as you're talking to people and based on your own evals, this is the range he could. Maybe going. I mean, wide receivers always have yeah, to run. It, it, but this is um, this is a little bit as, as I like to say. This is a little bit of a stunt that I pulled. It's a Kuiper type stunt wow. where you know you're, you're trying like to get shock value. Yeah. <laughs> more more like the uh, the shock jock out there. You know, trying to get some uh, just trying to get attention. I I think there's a chance, legitimately, that Corey Davis is the first receiver taken. I think it will come down to he and, and Mike Williams from Clemson. I think Corey Davis has a little bit more speed. Uh, obviously, he worked against Mac competition and had unbelievable production, uh, over 5,200 receiving yards and 52 touchdown catches. But Sorry. it's a lot easier to evaluate Mike Williams when he's going up against ACC corners and, and the higher level of competition week in and week out. Bottom line, I, this is probably too rich. Tennessee, we, we know after one year of seeing their new front office, they're, they're capable of moving around. I could see them maybe moving back. If they stay at five and don't go receiver, I could see them taking Marshawn Lattimore, a cornerback from Ohio State. It's a neat area, and he belongs in the top five. Corey Davis and Mike Williams probably neither belong in the top five or maybe even the top ten. But receivers become such a uh, – there's a bigger emphasis on receiver in a pass-happy league, and you've got a young quarterback in, in Mariota that you need to continue to get weapons for. Um, so Tennessee, maybe it's with their second pick in the first round they take a, a receiver. But uh, I'll admit, this is a little bit high for them, but I do think Davis has a chance to be the first receiver taken. Mel, does, did Todd just pull a Jedi mind trick by uh, essentially pumping, totally up, looped it around pumping up Corey Davis and then fading him in the uh, in the? Mel's been doing that since I was in since I was in college. <laughs> Kuiper, you you know you have been. Yeah, I you, like how Todd, you know you're Todd, not going to have a guy at 15, yeah. but you but you throw him up at 15 just to get a lot of attention and splash and say, "Oh, in October I had him at number 15 on the big board," and then you kind of level it back off and he'll wind up at 25 when it's all said and done. I've been trying to mentor you for a long time, McShay. <laughs> and you finally some of this stuff has rubbed off. He claimed. He would never pull a stunt that I was the stunt guy, and now oh, yeah. he's the stunt guy. So that's pretty. I'm just sitting back, just laughing at all this. But Mel, is, but is, I, yeah. is Corey I mean, Davis a stunt, or is he a legit top ten player? It was a stunt. It was a stunt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no question about that. Uh, that's the definition of a stunt. But I think in terms of uh, Tennessee at 18, maybe Corey Davis drops down that far. We'll see. Uh, I think the interesting one that Todd had, and we talked about it a little yesterday, was giving a running back 
to Indianapolis. And, you know, and Dalvin Cook. To, well, not, I would think this. I think this is where it's <laughs> going to be fun to not get into any heated debate here because Dalvin Cook's a great player. I mean, I'm sitting here talking about Dalvin Cook, and I think he's the eighth-best player right now on the big board. So you're getting him at 15. You say, wow, how can you not take Dalvin Cook at 15? But do you take a running back in the first round, number one, when 11 of 12 playoff teams didn't, didn't need one? And does Indianapolis right. have the luxury of taking a running back knowing that they have offensive line issues for Andrew Luck and major defensive issues looking like a team that has to have a pass rusher. So my thing there is, Todd, who did it come down to when you gave Cook the 15 on the O-line and on the defensive side of the ball? Well, the the problem is Malik McDowell, I don't think necessarily is a great fit for what they do defensively. He was in kind of, kind of in contention there. Ramchek, the uh, Ryan Ramchek, the offensive tackle from Wisconsin, was a possibility, and then you go down to the to some of the edge rushers like Derek Barnett, um, Tack McKinley. I just thought it was a little bit rich all the way up at fifteen, and then looked at the value because, like, like you, I think I have Dalvin Cook at number eight or nine in overall uh, in terms of a ranking. So I I really wanted to give them an edge rusher or an offensive lineman, but I I just felt like the value was so much greater, and, and they do have a need at running back, but I agree. I, I think if they can get an offensive lineman or a, an edge rusher, they would be much happier than, than pulling a trigger on uh, at 15 on a running back. And I want to get to Ryan Ramchick, the offensive tackle Wisconsin, because there is an injury, Todd mentioned and, mm-hmm. uh, and Chris mentioned, injuries and how they can affect people. Ramchick, with that injury, the hip, how will that impact his draft position? It'll be interesting. I think it's going to be critical how – how things play out in terms of the medical. He's obviously going to go to the combine, and like everyone does, he'll probably be a medical recheck sometime early in April, have to go back to Indianapolis. And then and each NFL team will go through their process. Some teams will probably take him off the board. You know, there's a possibility. I shouldn't say that. There's a possibility, as we all know, different teams have different standards. And some teams could look at Ramchek and, and the information they get back from, from the combine and from their, their doctors and say, you know what, we're not comfortable with it, let's take them off the board. Other teams may move them down a little bit, and other teams may be completely comfortable. That seems to be what happens with just about every player when it comes to character and durability issues. That They're very different in terms of the standards from one team to another. But, you know, it, it could definitely – you're talking about a guy who played just one year of major college football who looks the part, who has everything you look for physically, has, you know, the one year of tape is outstanding, but you're never going to get to see him work out, run, jump, any of those types of things, get any official numbers on him outside of height and weight and arm length and hand span. And, and now you're talking about an injury that you've got to deal with as well. So there's a lot of factors that make Ramchek an interesting prospect. One other that stood out is uh, – is is interesting here is something that will people debate is the idea Mitch Trubisky in this mock draft goes to Cleveland at 12. Now we know a lot of things could happen with this pick. Mel and I were discussing earlier how maybe this pick turns into Jimmy Garoppolo and you end up with Miles Garrett and Jimmy Garoppolo and everybody's happy. Um, But if it's Mitch Trubisky, A, do you think it's actually realistic that he could fall that far or maybe Deshaun Watson could fall that far? Um, Yeah, I think one of the two could. Yep. And it'll be, I guess, the second part is: Would you rather have a Mitch Trubisky, or as Mel and I were discussing, would you would you be more inclined to have turn that pick into a Jimmy Garoppolo? Oh, I mean, I'd love to have Garoppolo. It wouldn't even be if if I could make a deal that was 
even in the ballpark of reasonable. Yeah, I would. I would much prefer Garoppolo. What do you think, Mel? I would prefer Garoppolo if I'm New England, though. How much longer is Tom Brady going to play? I mean, if he's yeah, going to play two I don't more know. years, I'm keeping Garoppolo as the heir apparent to Tom Brady. You're going to have to start uh, yeah. paying him. Completely yeah, agree. you will. But, hey, you've developed him. Hey, nobody yeah. knows him better than New England. They've had him all this time. He's worked under Brady. He's developed that competitiveness, hopefully, that Brady has. He's played well when he's had the opportunity. Like them, as a lot of people did, coming out of eastern Illinois. Why not just keep Garoppolo as the heir apparent? Is Jacoby Brissett? Who do you like better, Brissett well, here's or the Garoppolo as the, the heir apparent to Brady? Look at, I mean, it's not even close, but look at, and and I I completely agree, Mel. If there's a way to keep him, I'm keeping him. But look at the money that we've seen go out to free agents recently at the quarterback position. I mean, you think Houston wouldn't want to have the 75 million back? Or 35 million, I think, guaranteed money, and that will be paid up by, by next season, I believe. So you you know that he's yeah sorry uh, Brock Osweiler um, you know that Garoppolo is going to get those offers if they when they let him if they keep him and let him get to his free agent year which is after next year correct yes in four years yep mm-hmm. yeah so that's going to be the interesting part is is can they then afford to pay I mean they're already paying Brady and then are they going to be able to afford to to pay a backup starter money is the question. Mm-hmm. So two more two more questions on the mock. The first one is this. Guys, I looked this up. Todd, obviously the first tackle you had going off the board was at 20, Ramchick. I looked up since 1972. That's the last time we waited until the 20th pick for a tackle. Now, I know tackles really? aren't tackles aren't quarterbacks and, you know, whereas this incredible need isn't going to just drive you to make a huge reach on them, but we have seen subtle ones. Uh, you know, one that comes to mind is Eric Flowers going in the top 10 when both of you guys thought he was more of a 20 to 30 type. Teams need tackles. They will, they will move up. We've seen in recent years tackles go three of the first four picks. Um, you know, so, you know, that was with Fisher, Jokel, and uh, Lane Johnson at four. But it's just incredible to think that a tackle could go that late. The first tackle could go that late. And yet... You guys are both in agreement here. This is just a bad class for it. And at some point, if it just becomes a best player available situation, you just can't pull the trigger. I mean, is that what is that what you're thinking, Todd? And is is could this really happen, Mel? Could we do like a forty year break in trends and just say tackles just don't go that high? Well, I I think you know, there's a chance. Now you look at Indianapolis is sitting at either 14 or 15, I guess. They need one. Um, yep. And and then also maybe a Forrest Lamp to seven, at 17 to the Redskins could be a possibility. He's a, not a tackle. be played tackle at Western Kentucky, but could be used as a guard or a center. Um, so, you know, we certainly could see a team pull the trigger a little bit earlier. But that if you're just talking purely value, you know, I think Ramchek's the best in this class, and, and we talked about the concerns you have with the one year and, and also the, the durability. Um, I don't know. No, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, that's a great stat. I mean, this is probably the most uh, important information you've provided this podcast in three years, Sproul. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, Chris, Chris, Mel, that, Mel, this is when you're supposed to laugh. You don't no, just no, hey, quietly I, 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 see, I see. No, I'm not like as Todd. I get all these gems from Sproul because I deal with them every day. Because you know, Todd with, hurts my right. feelings like this. Yeah, Todd, you don't get the benefit <laughs> of all this. You know, remember two years ago uh, you were clamoring for Sproul. You were trying to steal <laughs> Sproul away from me because he had all these hidden gems. He was pointing yeah, out. Yeah, but to then me. he became. 
Then he became an executive and one of the, the yeah, big time suits. Yeah. And he's just too good for that. his own so good. But no, I, I think this. I think this. Garrett Bowles from Utah. If there's going to be one, Cam Robinson's a more of a right tackle than a left tackle. We all know that. Yep. Uh, you know, you mentioned Ramshex with all his injury. So I think of the three, I think Garrett Bowles. By the time you talk about who is clean coming into April in the draft, who has no injury, no off the field, no shifting position. Who is the guy? I think they will look at Garrett Bowles from Utah more favorably. Now you have Denver at 20. You have you know, Houston at 25, Seattle at 26. There are some teams in those 20, from 20 on down, that could use an offensive lineman. So, But Garrett Bowles, I think, and those other two will go there. Uh, we'll have to see. The guy I'm thinking about, Todd, putting in the first round. It's not a stunt. It's I think it's reality. Uh, and I agree with you on Hassan Reddick from Temple. I think he could be a first-round pick. But a guy I'm thinking about, mm-hmm. Zay Jones. After the Senior Bowl, the production, his father, Robert, went in the first round to Dallas, linebacker at East Carolina. Now we got a wide receiver out of Kansas City at 27. Maybe John Rush already had that with Tyreek Hill, that return man with speed. Uh, maybe Zay Jones in the late first round. Would that be crazy? Wouldn't be completely crazy. I mean, I, I could just be a stunt. After the Senior Bowl, moved, moved him up into day day two. And what do you think he runs? More. What do you think Zay Jones runs? Based just off of the tape, I would guess low four fours. All right, if he runs in the low four fours with that size, with yeah, and, and, and the blood and the blood ninety three pounds, yeah, and the blood and the and the ball the ball skills, the production, yeah. everything. Todd. else. So there, there's there's a lot there. Yeah, I'm thinking about Zay Jones. Uh, I think Zay, I, I didn't know, you know, I, I love Buda Baker, uh, Washington, but the size. Uh, I think Zay Jones, if I'm looking for that receiver who could, if he runs like you say, a 4 4 3, with all the eyes on him in Mobile and all that production in East Carolina and the bloodlines, uh, I, I'm, I might, I may do that at 27. The Kansas OB, City. OB Mel, OB Mel Yeah. From Connecticut is another guy I think keep a close eye on, especially when we come out of that combine. I'm told he's he's going to run real well. Um, I think just because he didn't get any national yep. attention playing at Connecticut, kind of a late – I don't want to say late riser. He's just getting late attention. Had a really good week at the Senior Bowl. And he's, he's just under 6'4", 6'3", and, and 5'8", inches, 220 pounds. If he runs in the 4'4", somewhere, which I'm told he can – and jumps the way he's supposed to jump and everything else, he's got a chance to be one of those guys that we really no one talked about for months and months of this process. But all of a sudden, the last couple months winds up in the first round. ESPN.com, every Sunday morning, I have an under-the-radar guy. Based on what mm-hmm. I saw that Saturday, Melifonwu was one of those guys this year. And Todd's yeah, reading he, your work. Yeah, he you go to ESPN, the under-the-radar guy. I mean, now he's not under-the-radar. Here, here we go, thought, the Kuiper infomercial. The yeah, Corey exactly. Davis. Hey, 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 we do that for a reason. I'm up till 3.30 in the morning on Saturday night into Sunday for that reason, to find that under-the-radar guy that had a great Saturday on tape and watching those games Saturday. And Melifonwu was a guy that was impressed. So could he be a late one, early two? Guaranteed he will be. Uh, Hassan Reddick from Temple took advantage of a senior bowl week. Certainly he could be. Zay Jones as well in there. And I'll tell you a guy that I think could drop a little bit. Uh, I'll give you two guys. and uh, Two guys that could drop a little bit. Tim Williams, the linebacker from Alabama. I'm hearing that he could drop. And Jabril Peppers. The safety linebacker out of Michigan. I keep hearing that they could you, drop you just for, a bit. for weeks. I've been telling you this on Peppers for weeks, and I still like him. I, I think he's yeah, but a good you put player. Him, you put him, you put him to Washington at 17. Uh, that sounds right, yep. Okay. I'm thinking late first, early second. I, I think that could absolutely happen. I think there's enough concern about 
where are we going to play him and, and all those different things. And I think he'll, he'll wind up being a steal when it's all said and done. I, I think a team that uses him properly will wind up getting a really good football player, maybe even a returner on top of what he can provide on defense. And, um, and I think he'll just he'll work. This guy's a worker. He'll well, we, work to, to, fig, to, to improve once he gets a specific role in the, in the National Football League. But, uh, but I've been here, I told you a month ago, and you, were t- you said, well, don't listen. To, I don't know who what scouts you're listening to. I said, he's dropping. He's, he, some guys don't like him, but, um, but he is. I, I think the, the teams really don't like the fact that he doesn't have ball production. Um, so I've been, probably more negative things about Peppers than positive things because a lot of the scouts in the league think that I'm way overrating uh, what his grade is. Well, let's jump to the mail here before we uh, have, to, have to head off. And uh, um, Guys. This seems kind of theoretical, but it, it goes to the Peppers discussion, Lewis. Lewis Kimmelman at LKim22 said, All things being equal, would you take a stud at safety or a stud at cornerback if you needed both? Mel, what do you think? Well, the way the league is now, I think it's, it doesn't matter. As long as they can cover and as long as they're multidimensional and versatile, it really doesn't matter. Uh, look what Brian Poole did as an undrafted free agent in Atlanta. Uh, you see what Dayon Buchanan's role is with Arizona. Uh, I think if you feel like these guys, and it's all about covering now, same thing at linebacker. The old days of having that Mike Mann and that guy, it's over. This is a league where you got to be able to run and cover in the back seven, uh, the back end, seven or eight. And uh, to me, I don't think it matters anymore, Todd, safety or corner. Yeah, I mean, I, I think typically if – if you were guaranteed one thing, maybe you'd slightly lean for corner over safety, but I, I agree. I think the, the lines have blurred significantly because of the, the style of play and, and the increase of multiple receiver sets, three, four, five receiver sets, and and the increase in just uh, passing attempts in general. I like that line, McShay. I like that. I'm not going to use it. That's yours. Lines have blurred. Yeah. I like that. All right. He, he listens to a lot of pop. Yeah, he's uh, like, the lyrics down. Jared Benson at J Benson twenty three forty five. Todd, you see the Steelers looking at pass rusher or secondary needs as their top priority? Um, I think with Pittsburgh, it was, both could be possibilities. I think um, I'm looking to see who I wound up giving him in the, the mock draft. Uh, here we go. Uh, I gave him an edge rusher, Charles, Charles Harris from Missouri. And number 30 overall. I think wide receivers a sneaky position to keep an eye on if, if someone's there that they're, they're interested in. I also think tight end. Finding Ben a, a, a legitimate weapon at the tight end position. I don't know that O.J. Howard's going to wind up falling to that spot. I would be really doubtful. And, and David Njoku, if he runs well and everything checks out between now and the draft, I think he, he'll probably be gone by 30 as well. But I could see them maybe on day two. Mm-hmm. Going after uh, maybe, I don't know, an Evan Ingram if he necessarily fits what they want. A Jake Butt if he's medically cleared. You know, one of those other tight ends uh, that belong in, in the second or third round because it, it, that's a position I think they need to, to address this offseason. Mel, we'll get you going on here so you can rattle off 47 names. Oh, Raider Nation at Bad Braminski says, could you go through a few sleepers at wide receiver and tight end? Players that maybe could be available day three. Wide receiver, tight end players on day three. I would say, you know, Todd, you can maybe disagree with this, but I think Adam Shaheen 
from Ashland. Yep. You mentioned this is a guy that has the basketball background, all that. Uh, could be third, fourth round, possibly. Uh, so I would Six, say five two seventy five. Mm-hmm. I think he could be Good certainly guy. one that uh, that falls into that category. I want, I thought we would be talking about Gerald Everett, another one of my under the radar guys. He was my first one this year back in September out of South Alabama. Now he's considered maybe a second round pick. So you know Gerald Everett, I thought could be that guy, but no longer. His stock has risen to the point where, as I said, he could go a little bit earlier. Cooper Cup, he was another guy. Talked a lot about him. He could go in the second round, may not be there in round three. Billy Brown from Shepard. Okay, he's an interesting kid. I know the Shepherd program very well. We have Calvert Hall. Uh, he has a, has a lot of connection to that. I spoke. I spoke to you know uh, with their coaches. Uh, I don't do a lot of speaking engagements like McShay, but I do some once in a while. And Billy Brown's an interesting guy. You know, he's more of a that H back move tight end type of guy. But yeah, he's a kid. I think you get into the third, fourth round area. It could look awfully uh, intriguing at that particular juncture of the draft. Sure. Johnu Smith from Florida International is another mm-hmm. one. Six, he's undersized, 6'2 240, runs in the 4'7s. Eric Saubert from Drake is another guy, highly productive. I think he had an injury a year ago. I'm not, I've got to go back and look, but 6'5, 250. He can run supposedly, actually, it's verified. The, the scouts last spring had him at 4'6'8 in the 40 yard dash. So, a big guy that can move around and, and had production at the small school levels. Those are two other tight ends. It's a really good tight end class, Mel. Oh, it's an outstanding tight end class. And I'll tell you, the wide receivers, it's not necessarily super deep, but there are some intriguing guys uh, that could end up you know, becoming bargains. Uh, you know, I, hey, Calvert Hall again. Tommy Stewart. I asked Tommy Stewart, formerly of Boise State, now moving to Duquesne as a graduate transfer. Tommy told me, hey, don't sleep on Thomas Spurbeck. He loves Thomas Spurbeck, and he thinks he can become a pretty good slot receiver in this league, and he's got good bloodlines as well, highly productive at Boise State. You get into the late rounds, sixth, seventh round, how about Thomas Spurbeck from Boise State? Well, we got a Calvert, We got two Calvert Hall references in 30 seconds, which means we're, we're pretty much off the rails. Uh, got through some QB musical chairs at the top of the draft. Todd graced us in the uh, second half and then began uh, verbally abusing me. So I'm glad that we only had half the time. Uh, but boy, you got you got to toughen up, big boy. I guess that's true. <laughs> you know what? Maybe maybe I need to grow a beard uh, because yeah, maybe that'll exactly. that'll transfer and I'll actually you know the toughness will come with the rugged look. Um, that's it. But for uh, for Mel Kiper and Todd McShay, I'm Chris Sproul. Uh We will do it again. Uh, Soon. Next week, Josh? Yes, sir. Wow. And, We're on. Don't bother calling me. I don't have a phone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, Todd can uh, Todd can go outside and dial in from, uh, you know, the local. Just get a roll of quarters, Todd, and we'll do a good podcast. Thanks for listening to First Draft. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash podcenter.